p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quark, quark! Quark, quark! Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of <laughs> Quack Smack. Now, let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. Welcome into your KWVA Sports Studios. I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, joined by Mario Ponza and Liam Baker. We have Mario Nordi and Saul Galvan in the production studio. Uh, we have a lot going on today. This is crossover season, as we all like to enjoy all of the sports going on, but it means we have a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to do it. How are all of you guys doing so far today, though? I'm I'm doing fantastic. Um, yeah, it didn't rain today, so I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm doing super well. I'm doing. I've been doing good in classes. I was. I went for a walk today. It's just been a good day today. That's very fun. Yeah, it was 58 degrees and sunny this today, which is unheard of That's in lovely. February. Uh, but now to go so to some not as good news. Oregon. So- we're going to open up with some Oregon softball. Uh. They were two and three in the last tournament, uh, losing both games to Texas A&M and going one one against Liberty, as well as beating San Diego State. What did you guys see from that tournament? And what do you guys hope to see coming up soon? I saw an offense that was really ineffective in a majority of those games. They scored one run total in those three losses they had, which is. Something that can happen, especially in, in non-conference play, especially against LMU, who's a team that you should beat, and they, they went one and one against them, but you, you can't really lose 4-0 to zero against an LMU team, especially when you have aspirations of hosting a regional and, and going deep into the postseason. I mean, I think I saw some positives as well. I was here producing some of those games, and I, and I could feel the difference when the team was playing well and they were working together versus when they were all kind of just scrambling because one of the games that I produced was the one they won 8-0, right? But then the other one was that uh, 4-0 loss, so it was kind of a mixed bag. I think there are some positives, but there's also things that the team needs to work on for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, What do they need to do to bounce back for this weekend when they face Notre Dame, Baylor, uh, UCF, LBSU in Nebraska. I, I say they need to get the bottom of the lineup working. You, If you look at the box score in, in those five games, in a lot of those, especially the ones that they didn't score a run and lost, the bottom of the lineup, they weren't getting any hits. And when you're a, a, a ranked team and a team that's going to be playing in the Pac-12 that's going to be very competitive, you need everyone in your lineup to be able to hit, especially when you go into games against better pitching. And some of the pitching they saw this weekend was okay, but it's n- it's not going to compare anything to what they're going to see in Pacto play. And you need to use the non-conference slate as a, a chance to build that confidence, so they're not doing that right now. I think for me, um, that is definitely a factor. But actually, I would like to see better defense and better pitching, because in the games that where they where they lost, they had a lot of you know pitching mistakes and kind of inconsistent performance there. And I feel like. If this like this is a team that can play offense really well, but they're not very consistent about that. But this definitely should be a good pitching and defensive team, and I don't think we've seen that for sure yet. Yeah. So I think they're a great pitching team, at least so far. I mean, 
they got their three pitchers that are qualified to have the to be leading in statistics are all of ERAs under two point three. I think that's a really positive. That's something positive to take out of this weekend is those games that they did lose. They didn't give a lot of runs, and that's something you can build on. I've been very happy with Taylor Spencer, one of the, a freshman pitcher. She was number one hundred and forty two out of their out of the like top one hundred and fifty softball recruits coming into this year. But having a 1.12 ERA, a below one whip in seven appearances, pitching 16, 18 innings, sorry, which is really good. Like she comes in usually in middle innings and just carries this duck team defensively through, especially when they're not opening up the best like they did in the first weekend. Uh, What do you hope to see from this pitching rotation this upcoming weekend. I just think consistency because at this point they've shown that they can they do it against some really good teams and, and some teams that they should be putting up good pitching numbers against. But you look at that game against Clemson, they held them to three runs in that first weekend. And Texas A&M, a team ranked in the top 15, I believe now, they, they held them to, to low run totals. And the pitching is keeping them in games, and they just need the offense to, to kind of get those results and get those runs across the board. But – I honestly, they've been really happy with how the pitching has looked and how they've kind of probably kept, got them some wins that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise if their pitching staff wasn't as strong. I think that for me, uh, one thing that I feel like this team needs is just more self-confidence. Like, when they are playing well, they can really move the ball around, they can really hit, and they, they basically have all the pieces, but we haven't seen them, or at least I personally haven't seen them fully confident and complete i think the game where they best uh did is you know coincidentally the 8-0 win against lmu where we saw them playing a complete game but other than that i think that we haven't seen them super confident all season which i think is actually going to be important especially when pac-12 play begins yeah that's definitely going to be important this is We've said it so many times, but this is the final season of the Pac-12. This is the last time that they'll be playing teams like Stanford and Cal and Utah and uh, other teams like that. So what do you – and Arizona, actually, and Arizona State. But what do you hope to see from this non-conference schedule to lead into conference play uh, to push through this like that we haven't been able to see in the last couple of years? I think just some some wins over big big time opponents that they really haven't had that so far. And granted, they've only played eleven games, but they have some chances. Maybe not not so much this weekend as as Baylor's the only team ranked that they're going to play. But that's uh, would be a game that they they would feel really good to win. Especially those other four games that they're going to play are are a lot more winnable games. And then you know going into the Jane Sanders Classic. Uh, like just building up wins there and playing at home and just kind of stacking up those wins that are not going to be easy to come by when they begin Pac-12 play. I think that uh, for me, I would like to see the team, like I said, get some more confidence, but also, you know, start setting the tone for what their Pac-12 schedule is going to look like. Because if they, if they start the conference season, with a good record from non-conference, then they will immediately be an eye-catching team that people will be like afraid to play. But if they enter into the conference time with like a mid-range record, then it's not really going to be good, uh, you know, 
good to show other teams. I think especially a game that's coming up that I'm really interested in is Nebraska, because of course Nebraska will be a conference rival next year in the Big Ten. So I definitely feel like that would be a great game to show the whole conference is like, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're bringing from the Pac-12. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of your points. Uh, I'm really excited for the Jane Sanders Classic uh, coming up next weekend after the Mary Nutter where Oregon will host Mount St. Mary's, Maryland, Washington, Florida State, and uh, themselves. But playing both Maryland and Florida State in this weekend is going to be vital to their last time, their last tournament before conference play, just due to the fact that they lost to Maryland last year in their opening game, and Florida State is a top 11 team right now. So what do you hope to see at least from this upcoming weekend, to lead them into those big matchups right before conference play. I just think they to win win some games, but also show that the offense is capable of putting up a really big number and and, and dominating a game that they haven't they haven't really done that so far. So and and also picking up wins against teams that are gonna that help them in the RPI come the selection time when they have to decipher between a bunch of teams that didn't necessarily play and when you're playing Baylor and you're playing Maryland and you're playing Florida State these are teams that you could be battling against for a a top 16 seed to host a regional so getting those wins could be very beneficial uh, down the line I definitely agree something that I would also like to see is the team scoring early in games because in many of these games they either score not a lot or they score right at the end uh, at least the games that I produced, I, that's what I saw. So I definitely feel like if they could start getting leads early, that would definitely help them get more confidence. And like we've been saying, that would just be positive for the record and positive to show everyone else like what this team is all about. Because I definitely feel like this team could do really well this season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think in a lot of games that I've seen, they've been leading in total hits. Like even if they've only scored one or no runs, I would like to see them be able to just compile a couple hits in a row, get the offense actually churning compared to, oh, leaving somebody stranded on second. Like, it seems to happen every single inning, which is frustrating because you get an opportunity. I think one time they had a runner on third with no outs and didn't score. It, it, hurt, <laughs> it hurts when you you lose your top two RBI yeah. scores from last season. I think having that, especially that, that leadership on this team – is really helpful when you are struggling to to get runs across the board. Yes. Yeah. I also I also remember there was a situation where they they had the bases loaded and they left everyone stranded and I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, what is going on? Like we need a little bit more consistency. Oregon needs a little bit more consistency because they have shown flashes, but like they struggle at the worst possible time and it doesn't really work in the end. Yeah, what are your predictions for this upcoming weekend against all these teams? They play five games. Yes, I think optimistically, I'm going to say four and one. Uh, I, I just I do believe this is a team that can beat and will beat the teams that they should beat. But also, I don't think they're playing to that caliber yet that we can confidently say that they're going to win all five games. I think it'll either be three and two or four and one. I definitely feel, you know positive about this weekend i think they could do well but you know we still have to see like i feel like they still have a little bit to prove and if they can show what they have then 
definitely better for the future. But I think three to two to four to one is a good prediction for this weekend. Yeah, I think if they can go two and zero oh on Thursday, they'll go five and zero. Oh. But if they go one and one on Thursday, I think they'll go four and one. But uh, that will do it for our softball segment. When we come back, we'll be talking about some Oregon men's basketball. Uh, talking about their game this past weekend and their upcoming schedule uh, for the rest of conference play and how they can get into postseason. I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, here with KWVA, Eugene, 88.1 FM. KWVA. KWVA. Did you know that the coronavirus can damage the inner ear, leading to chronic dizziness and tinnitus, which is a constant ringing or buzzing noise? But there's hope. For help and more information, call 800-837-8428 or visit liferebalanced.org and discover a life rebalanced. That's 800-837-8428 or liferebalanced.org. Sponsored by the Vestibular Disorders Association. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quack Smack. Welcome back into the studios. I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, joined by Mario Ponce and Liam Baker. Uh, let's get into some Oregon men's basketball as they come off of a close win against Oregon State at Gill Coliseum in Corvallis. Uh, what are the positives and negatives that you guys have seen from this game? Well, I think that, you know, traveling up north, traveling to Oregon State is always tough. And definitely a win against our biggest rival is nice. But I feel like this Oregon team has, hasn't has shown itself that is fully confident in itself yet. I, I say confidence a lot because I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't really consider, but is really important. They can play well, but they didn't play a full 40 minutes, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. I, like, I don't know the last time they did play a full 40 uh, yeah. minutes. You look at the UW game, they were up a lot in that game. They were up and, 20 at one point. And almost lost. The Oregon State game almost lost. Even the, the UCLA game, that, that it was tied back for the second half kind of slipped away from them. They can't close out games, and I think it's tough when you you don't have that that always that go-to guy in the in the guard position, and, and Kuznard and Shellstad are, are both play well at times, but it's 
it's tough when Dante's your best score when you need to bucket. It's hard to go inside. Yeah, definitely. I think both of you guys have said it. They haven't played a full game in a while. They're either a good opening team or a good closing team, but they just haven't been able to put both of those together. Or if they do, but put both of those, they're not good in the middle 20 minutes. So I think we all would hope just to see them have a good weekend against Cal and Stanford coming up. What do you guys see from them that they need to have going into that weekend? I just think they need to shoot the ball a little better, especially from three. In the last two games, they've made six total three-pointers. They went two for 19 against Oregon State, <laughs> four for 18 against Washington State. They're still a really good three-point shooting team. They're fifth in the Pac-12 in that department, but they need to start making some of those shots, and Shell Sad needs to start making some of those shots. He's made one in the past four games. Like That's the, the type of thing that when you're on the road and you need those shots to fall, and they haven't been falling right now for them. I think that, well, the thing about three-point shooting is that it is very, like, runs-based and very, like, depending on how you're playing. Because when you are connecting, you feel like they're all falling down. But then you have a game like um, like Oregon State, to quote my good friend Jack MacArthur, an abysmal three-point shooting performance. And then it, it you have to figure out, like, okay, what's not working? What's going on? How can we fix this? One thing that I think is really interesting is that, like we said in the previous segment, this is the last time this team is going to the Bay in the Pac-12, which I feel like is kind of cool for the players in a, in a, in a way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what are your expectations going into the game, though? Uh, I think it, they should win both these games. They're a, on paper, they're a better team than than Cal and Stanford, and also Cal and Stanford have that that knack to to beat those teams that they shouldn't. And Stanford <laughs> destroyed Arizona. It was a hundred to eighty one, I believe. It, like Cal and both teams, if they both beat UCLA, granted that was when UCLA was kind of in a free fall and they climbed out of that, but. Cal beat Washington State. They've, they've beaten good teams, and it always seems that these are the games that Oregon lose, especially in, in the Bay Area. They never they never win games there against those teams. For me, I think, well, they should be able to easily or at least confidently beat uh, Cal. I think they've I, – I see them having a rough game against Stanford. Like, you know, Stanford has been hot recently, but – you know, anything can happen. This is a very fluid game. It's a very fast game. I think with the way they are right now, they should at least go one and one in the Bay. I would like to see them go two and zero, but I'm I'm not super confident in that happening. I mean, I am hoping that they go two and zero. Obviously, being a student at the University of Oregon, but they should beat Cal. But again, this is their last weekend before one facing. Uh, Oregon State next weekend who statistically is the worst team in the Pac-12 based on record uh, what do you think they can do in that game to get ready for their final stretch of the season I, they, just, they need to win the games that they're that they're supposed to win that and they play they have is it seven more games six more games seven uh Six more games. It's Cal, Stanford, OSU, Arizona, and then Mountain West. Like, realistically, they're probably going to lose in Arizona. Like, like most yeah. likely, that's a, that's a tough game, a tough place to play. But if they can win all those other games, they're likely going to be the three seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which means you don't play Arizona theoretically until the championship game. Yes. And that's really important because likely this team isn't going to get in with an automatic bid, at least – 
And if they make it to the, the championship game, there's a chance I think they can play their way into that spot. But they need that, that two or three seed. It's going to be tough for them to catch Washington State. But if they're that, that two or that, that three seed, it's a much easier path to that Pac-12 championship game than if they're the four or the five even, that which is completely realistic because there's a lot of teams with six, seven, or eight losses that could catch Oregon if they fall. I agree. I think also they have, you know, a cool opportunity to sort of bid the Pac-12 goodbye with a positive note. Like, I definitely feel like we are comp- – the Oregon is competitive against Colorado, against Utah. Maybe – well, we uh, Oregon already beat Oregon State, even though it was a very close game in the end. So I definitely feel like if the team can play and they can build up uh, confidence, they can definitely do well in the tournament. And, of course – uh, you know, like Liam said, their seating can be really important. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, they definitely, at least in my opinion, should win out. I think going to the mountain schools is going to be very tough. At least they're hosting them. But you they're. Think they, they, you think they beat Arizona? No, I don't think. Oh, like, apart. You, oh, said, uh, you said you think they went out. I'm, I meant apart from Arizona. Okay. I think they should win out. But Colorado had their number last time. They uh, always have their number yes. in, in Colorado. In Eugene, it's always a different story. Yes, but I just think it's they need to keep it close against Arizona at least. It was a nine-point game the past time, the last time, but it didn't feel like a nine-point game. They were down by 16 with like three minutes to go, and Arizona just kind of let up a little bit. But right now I'm looking at the uh, net rankings and Oregon's 61st or 62nd. Behind San Francisco, Providence, Butler, Northwestern, Princeton, uh, even St. John's and McNeese, like these are teams that McNeese is good. They'll, they'll they'll probably make the tournament. Will Wade's a good coach. But yes, I see what you're saying. Like these are teams that Oregon could beat on any given day, but they just haven't been living up to that standard, and it's tough given the fact that they've only played two total ranked teams this year. I think that's something that's really hurting them and the rest of the Pac-12 is you look at the other, the four, you call it five other big conferences if you include the Big East, they play ranked teams at, at home and on the road, and there's those chances to get those marquee wins. And for Oregon, that's it's just it's the schedule is not in their favor to have those games, which just means you have to beat the teams, that are those unranked teams, and you don't you're not playing – like a, a UConn type team or like a, a Purdue. And even if you're going to leave a chance to win that game, but it's a game that if you play close, looks good on, on your resume and, and helps you in those, those net rankings. Whereas any team that Oregon loses to is just going to hurt them. Whereas there's not going to be a loss. That's you know, they played Purdue. They lost them by four points on the road. That's a good loss. It's you lost to Colorado. You lost to Arizona, or Arizona, Utah, the teams that you, theoretically you should be in, it's just not helping them in any way. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 uh, feels kind of insular in that way, and I, 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 that's probably part of the reason why the whole conference realignment thing is happening. But I definitely feel like at this point in the season and the situation that the team is in, their best bet is to do what you're saying and just win out except Arizona and maybe keep them close. Like a single-digit loss to Arizona and a win out all other games would definitely be really good for this team. Otherwise, I don't really know how far they could make it. Yeah, Arizona is their only quad one game left. 
and I think they need to win the game. I, I think yes. a loss doesn't mean anything. It, it, it hurts. I and think. only having eight quad one games in a season for a power five school, it's not going to help them. Oh, it's not entirely their fault either. It, no, it's not. But it's kind of the just... It's the roll of the dice, but like, it's just... At least for this team, I feel like it's kind of frustrating because they're in close games against good quad two teams. But, like... Is is Washington State a quad one team yet? They should be because they're ranked. I said they're ranked in their 21st. Is that what it is? So, yeah. I mean, that is a quad one win that they do have up in Pullman. That's a but really good I, win, I, but it's... It was, yeah. At the both, time, it wasn't. Both the Washington and Washington State games were quad one wins because on the road, it's top 75, okay. which Washington was at that point. Yeah, they've kind but of not not anymore. No, but Washington State is number thirty-two now. Colorado's forty-one, and Utah is forty-nine. So if those are still two like quad two games because they're at home and it's top thirty at home, but but it's, those are games that I feel good about. Yes, that yeah. that the team should succeed, and I think something that's a little under the radar is that they play Stanford on. Thursday and not over the weekend because they've been a much better Thursday Friday team than a Saturday Sunday team. Yeah, so they play Stanford and then Cal over the weekend. Yeah, I do think that they should go two and zero this weekend. I, I think, and I think it was the other way around. I'd say otherwise. I think they probably yes. go one and one. Cal's, Cal's. I mean, Cal and Stanford are both seven and eight in, in conference, but I think Stanford's a much more dangerous team. Yes, especially given their ability to shoot the ball really well, especially from three. Well, I think that uh, right now what this team needs to do is just keep their heads down and worry about what they can control. Because if they start getting into, well, you know, seeding, conferences, this kind of stuff, like at the end of the day, the players have to do one thing. They have to shoot. They have to They have to play basketball. There, There is no real point in, like, considering alternate scenarios of what would have happened. You know, I, I mean, we can talk about this, but – the reality is that at this point in the season, the team needs to do one thing, which is to win. If they do that, they will do well. If not, they won't. As simple as that. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I think, as Liam said earlier, just getting into the Pac-12 tournament and at a good seed is vital for this team. If they're at a four seed, they're playing Arizona in the semifinals. If they're at a three seed, they're playing Washington State at the semifinals. If they're a two seed... They're also playing yeah. Washington State and in the semifinals. The thing is, I think as that three seed, is, there's no guarantee you play Washington State because they're a good team, but I think we've seen in the Pac-12 yes. tournament that any team can can win, whereas Arizona feels like a team that likely is in a – they're going to make the semifinals, I think, at worst. Yeah. That that they're of that caliber of a team, but Washington State's a team that is beatable, a lot more beatable. Oregon's, Oregon's beaten them so – they could get lucky and not have to face them, but just being in that two-three slot isn't it be just so beneficial to them? Is it UCLA that's right behind them right now? Yeah, well, UCLA. Sorry, UCLA was in the three slot and then they lost to Utah, so they're in the four now. But then it's like Colorado's eight and seven, Utah, Arizona State, Stanford, and Cal are all seven and eight. So theoretically. The, the teams they need to worry about are, are probably UCLA, Colorado, and, and, U- and Utah, but uh, it's, it's, it's very wide open in, in, that, in that stretch. Yeah. i got to just ask, what about the fall off of, from USC? Going into the season, 
everybody talked about this USC team as all this hype with Isaiah Collier, Bronny James, and this and that. But like, what happened to them? I I, I don't know. I I'll say I have a, a buddy down at U, at USC, and they're he's a lot more focused on their women's team right now than the men's team, which very I, fair, honestly <laughs> fair fair enough. But yeah, I think it's kind of just been a surprise, and I think Bronny hasn't really turned out to be the player that everyone thought he was going to be, but. I mean, Isaiah Collier's going to be a lottery pick. He's really good. But one player really can't win a lot of basketball games. And there's very few players that are are that of that caliber. Right. I mean, at this level, you know, super teams are not really a thing. Like, to win a a conference like the Pac-12, you need to have a complete, complete team. I also have a cousin at USC. But uh, as far as I can tell, he's not a very big Trojans guy. Like he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't really watch all their sports uh, that closely. So I couldn't really tell what he, uh, what his preference is. But I definitely feel like this team just, you know, it kind of felt like they were playing as individuals, not really as a collective. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but let's head into some Oregon women's basketball. Uh, who just finished a seven-game streak of playing ranked teams like in a row. Seven straight games of playing ranked teams. They went 0-7. Not, not, a, not a surprise. No, but it's been a very tough season. The Back 12? P- the, yeah. Back 12 basketball is brutal. You know, this is... Th- perhaps in my opinion the deepest conference in the By country far. right now so it is a very tough stretch when you have to play all of the ranked teams back to back to back to back that is not easy i feel like this team has some of the some similar problems to the men's team where they can play good at times but then they just fall off a cliff and can they either don't start a game well or they don't end a game well you know, I, there was one game, I can't remember which one it was, where they had, like, two points the whole quarter or something like that, you know? Th- that was the Colorado that, game. That can happen. At this level, uh, I'm sorry, but that's simply not acceptable for a good basketball team. I think it's – I I think they have – there's a lot of talent on that team. It's hard to put them in that, like, good basketball team category because I think there's a lot of just glaring errors with the team that are definitely fixable – and I think the wheels have just kind of fallen off. When you go through a stretch of seven games against teams that are pretty much all of them ranked in the top 15, it seems. And towards the end, you could see that they were just getting tired. And it's tough playing really good teams every single week. And towards the end, they just it, they felt like they were just getting blown out in all those games, which is is tough to see. But now they do have this stretch at the end of the season that you can't games that are winnable that seems like they have winnable games for the first time in a month and they can end the season on a high note and go into next season with something to build on i agree i think that obviously it's tough when um you're sort of like expected to win everything and then something like COVID happens and then like your good players either graduate or start transferring out so we definitely see we've seen this team in flux at least I've seen it in a lot of flux in my time here at the university. But, like, I feel like there's still pieces that can be built upon. There's still, uh, you know, good expectations for the future. We'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see who stays and who leaves. But um, I definitely feel like if they have a good performance in 
these games that, you know, I agree with Liam that these games are quite winnable for the team, especially after what we've seen so far. So if they can do that and they can have a good closeout, they can probably have a better foundation for next season. They have a really young core and, and some young players that have the talent to be good. They just need them to stick around and, and bring in more talent. And I think they'll be able to compete more in the big 10 that won't be as stacked as the Pac-12 is this year. Yeah, definitely. I just think it ruined their spirits by the end of that seven game streak. Just like the last two games, they lost 88 to 51 and 74 to 55 against the LA schools. And it's tough when you play five ranked teams and you have to play the second best or the best player in the country in Juju Watkins. That's just a, a, a brutal stretch. Where <laughs> Definitely the best freshman by Ab- far. Absolutely. Like, and she's putting up 27 points a game. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it, well, I said so like that game she they played against Stanford when she scored she's 51, 51 of and, 67. And, but at halftime was outscoring Stanford, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, that. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I just the one thing that I would like to see is the fact that they're averaging 14 turnovers per game. They had a game against Arizona where they had 27 turnovers. Like the fundamentals of basketball seem to go out the window with this team a lot of the time. Well, and there's a lot of like things that they're doing doing yes. well and at home they've played a lot better than they have on the road and and defensively have been have been pretty solid. But it's also there's a lot of things, and I think those flaws are magnified when you're playing a top ten USC team, a top ten UCLA team, a top four Colorado team. Uh, the the list kind of goes on. It's all these really really good teams. When those small mistakes, they're going to make them really big mistakes because they're that caliber of teams. And you look at the Pac-12, and there could they they're gonna they're likely gonna have two, three, or four teams playing in the Elite Eight, likely. And it's it's tough when you're that an Oregon team that does just doesn't have the caliber of players to keep up with them this year that they like they've had in the years past. Yeah, I think the fact that their core of four or five people from last year, like they only had seven people last year, but they lost a couple of the main core and brought in so many people and only had one person from two years ago. Like, you can't have the fluidity from year to year that a team might expect if you can't keep the players. But And they have the players that did stick around, though, are are showing that they have the talent. And Van Sluten and Chance Gray and, and Philly Che are players that they can build off of and, and players that can lay a foundation next year that when they, they bring in, in new younger players that they can help mentor and start turning the program into a, a right in, in into a better direction and this is a down year and it, it just it happens in college sports sometimes but this team definitely has the talent especially the history that players are going to want to come here to play and they're going to be able to be successful in the big 10 i agree i think that you know the the problem that i've seen is that things kind of snowballed i've seen a snowball effect where they kind of mess up something little and then they get like kind of weird and they start messing up bigger and bigger and bigger stuff. And then by the time they realize like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, there are double digit turnovers or they are shooting like, you know, one out of 10 from the, from the three pointers. So they just have to 
kind of take it one step at a time, one play at a time, one game at a time. Because right now we're talking about like the future of the program and what's going to happen next year. But like they just have to focus on their last four games. Like they have four more opportunities to just play a full 40 minutes of basketball. That's all I want. Yeah, I think – what do you guys think about the last four games of the season? I, They have a slim chance of going three and one. I'd say, I think two and two is in yeah. reason. Just I, I think, d- like, Cal, they played them close in Berkeley. They probably should have won that game. They were leading a lot of that game. And just they were leading into the fourth quarter. Shots weren't falling, and that that's a game that they, they probably should have won. And they haven't played the, the Washington schools, I believe, this season. So no. There's not nothing to really go off of for those games, but they're teams that are in the bottom half of the Pac-12 and teams that they they could win one of the games, they could steal one of those those games and I think you go 2 and 2 in the last four. You maybe you, you play Stanford close. I think that's something to build off of and maybe they go into the Pac-12 tournament and they upset a team. I mean that that would be really fun to see, but I just I just want to see them be competitive. I think that they definitely can go at least 2 and 2. Three and one is maybe in the cards, but you know, the margins in this sport in women's basketball are so tight. Like everything is so close that they could easily, like you know, every result that is four and zero or in four or anything in between looks possible. So it just it'll just come down to what they actually show in the court. Yeah, I think it's f- at least frustrating for them to have to finish off with Stanford. Like that's just going to be looming over them. As the number one team in the Pac-12, they're twenty-three and three. They're ranked number third in the nation. Like, just to finish off the season with that is kind of maybe. Maybe it's they look at it the other way. They, I, they, I feel like they could have. Is if they they played these next three games well, that it's an opportunity to, especially here at Matthew Knight. Like, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a Stanford team that they've gone back and forth with a lot over the past m- many years, and and traditionally Oregon and Stanford have been two of the the better. Pac-12 women's basketball teams, and this is a down year for Oregon, but I think that is a game that they probably have circled. They have had circled for a while that Stanford is that number one team in the Pac-12. Imagine if we beat them here to end the season and go into the Pac-12 tournament with some momentum that they likely won't win, but they could definitely upset a team because they're going to be playing a team in that first round that is playing for a top-four seed, and losing to Oregon could really derail those hopes of, of hosting a first and second round game. So I think Oregon doesn't necessarily have a lot to play for in the postseason, but there's a lot for them. They can play spoiler in, in many ways down the stretch. I agree. I think that this is definitely an opportunity, you know, just for the fact that we can say, Hey, we, we won, we're playing well. Like, you know, what I, what I want to see is that people still support this team because one of the things about this game and at this level is that when you're playing well everyone wants to be there everyone wants to say I love the team I'm with them I'm there but when they're not playing really well you know we're starting to see a lot of empty seats in Matt Knight at the end of the games which is something that I don't like because at the end of the day these players are still students and you know they still deserve to be supported by their community and their university. So I definitely want to see, especially for the home games, I want to see, even if the team has not had their best possible season, see the people show up and stay for the whole game and support their players. 
yeah. Uh, you said we're playing the Washington schools next, and Washington State is twenty fifth in the net rankings. They're a good team. They just have had a rough couple of weeks. They were ranked at one point this season. Washington was ranked at one point this season. I think this goes to speak to the depth of the Pac-12. Yeah, that means 10 of the 12 teams in the Pac-12 were ranked at one point in this season. What, that what, is what was the other team that wasn't ranked? Arizona State. Oh. One of the, the, one of the teams Oregon beat. Yeah. Oregon beat Arizona and Arizona State. So I think 9 of the 12 actually were. I don't think Arizona has been ranked this season. I, th- I think, it, but it's but it's oh. just ridiculous yeah, it's that s- nine to ten deep. of the twelve teams in a conference have been ranked, and are four of them in the top ten right now? Yeah, there's Stanford, six, there's six Colorado, t- and the LA schools. Yeah, no, or- Oregon State is number nine. Really? Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, but there's six teams in the top eighteen of the net rankings from the Pac-12. Wow. A lot of games. If you look through the top eighteen, you have a one in three chance of picking a Pac twelve school. (laughs) That's crazy. It's that is crazy. It's ridiculous just to see all of that. And then You know, part of me wants to say, like, hey, maybe the next season the Pac twelve women's basketball conference can still exist. That would be kinda cool. Yeah. Like next year they're gonna have to play Iowa and Ohio State and a couple of other good teams, but I think it's definitely more manageable than I don't think in any other conference you're going to go on a seven game streak of playing top fifteen, top twenty teams. I, I yeah, I don't think I, I've I, never I don't seen have that. The, the number in front of me. But I don't know the last time a team had to do that. Let alone, but the, the, I think this. <laughs> they, I feel like this has been a trend of the past few seasons in the Pac-12 that there's just so many really yes. really good teams, and it's kind of just. I feel like men's basketball and women's basketball are in like Opposite, two yeah. different places in so many different ways, and it's crazy because I bet the men's team wishes they could play seven ranked teams in a row because even if they lose all seven, that's more quad one wins. Yeah, well, like quad one. I games. don't think they they would lose all seven because no. they're playing better basketball than the women's side, and the women's side's kind of wishing, you know, maybe if the Pac-12 didn't have half their teams ranked, that we would win some of these games and could sneak into the tournament. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just goes to show what, like, what, how the tables turn. Because when I was in my freshman year, it was sort of the opposite. It was, um, the it was in the women's side where, like, Oregon kind of felt like it was in a league of its own. Versus in the men's side, it felt like everyone was so close together. And now, you know, it seems like, you know, it seems like kind of cyclical almost. Like everything is working in cycles. But I, I still feel that there is excitement for what is coming up because we still have. Like, you know, the core is still young, and it seems like many of them will stay. So there's definitely room to grow. Yeah, there's definitely hope that this team will be just intertwined for the next couple of years, keep the core together, and just grow from this season. They all have this shared memory. But uh, that will do it for our Oregon basketball talk, both men's and women's. Uh, they finish out the season with four to six more games coming up. But when we come back from break, we'll talk about Oregon baseball and their opening weekend. I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, here on KWVA 88.1 FM.
KWVA. KWVA. Students, when I call the reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. <clears throat> Too tired. Family trip. Sick day. Starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ed Council. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. I'm former KWVA Sports Director Ryan Rillard, and you are listening to Quacksmack right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. Welcome back into the studios. I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, joined by Mario Ponza and Liam Baker. Uh, let's get into some Oregon baseball talk with, they just had their opening weekend where they played Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas Tech. They had two strong wins and one tightly contested loss where they were in it till the very end. What did you guys see from this past weekend? I think this was a pretty good start. I definitely feel like, you know, they, they have played good baseball like you said, they had two good wins and then they had one tough loss, but they were in it to the end against, you know, a team ranked 18th, which is pretty, pretty good. So I definitely feel like they, you know, they are going to, they have some momentum, especially starting at home because, again, all of these games were on the road. So I definitely feel that this was a pretty good start. Yeah, I agree. I think they played 27 innings of baseball this past weekend. I think 26 of those innings were really, really good innings that they were really happy with. And then, one of those innings was when they gave up six runs to Texas Tech, and they almost won that game. They cut, they got it to within one. So I think that shows a lot about a team, especially early in a season, that they gave up a lot of runs early, and they also understood that they were still seven more innings of baseball to play, and they fought back. And ultimately, Texas Tech is a really good team, and they lost that game, and that's what happens in, in Diamond Sports is you're not going to win every single game. And I think double thumbs up out of this weekend. <laughs> Definitely. Uh it, it was a good weekend. Like, even when they were down against Baylor, they were down 4-1. They still scored six unanswered and came storming back in that game to win. They put up four runs, went down 6 nothing in the top of the sixth, like in the top of the fifth inning to keep it close against Texas Tech. But as you said, Texas Tech is a very good team. There's a reason they're ranked. But w- what do you think they can do to set up for this uh 
weekend against the Lafayette Leopards of Pennsylvania. I think what they should do is just, you know, keep doing what what they're doing, right? If it's not if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I feel like definitely this is a great start for this team, especially, you know, compared to previous seasons, so they definitely just have to keep uh playing consistently, keep pitching really well, but also I like what I've seen in their offense. They've shown themselves to be really resilient in offense. So if they can keep doing that, then they will definitely do well against Lafayette. Yeah, I agree. I think the the one thing I'm looking to see out of this weekend is I believe they play four games. Is that correct? Yeah. That you're going to need a little more length out of your starters. And it's early on the season. And they got four innings uh, out of their stars the first two games. And then uh, Spoljeric and the Texas Tech game didn't last too long just because they gave up all those runs. But give a little, little get some length out of those those guys start to stretch them out a little bit longer because you know that your bullpen's good and you know that the bullpen's reliable but you don't want to tax those arms too early in the season those first two games their bullpen didn't give up a run which is really a really really good thing and something that wasn't always the case last year that this was a strength of their team yeah definitely i think even last week in at least I was worried about the Sunday game every single weekend as being a bullpen game. But I think from this first weekend, we can see that this bullpen is ready to step up to bat, is ready to face whatever opponent they have ahead of them. And I think even with the loss of Isaac Aon for a second straight season, which has been really frustrating, I think that they're prepared for that this time. Yeah, it's it's earlier on. It definitely really hurts because I think their rotation could have been is going to be good, and it could have been even better with with him in there. Yeah. And they're going to have to to figure some things out, but Wasikowski's been around the block a few times. He's done this with Isaac Aon before, so he's prepared to handle this, and they're going to have someone step up, and we might not know who that, that person is just yet, but they're going to have someone fill that role that that maybe that's their, their, their stretch starter, the, a guy that can go three innings, four innings. Because realistically, if you your bullpen's this good, you can you only need your starters to get through the lineup twice, theoretically, and then you can turn it over to them and have that faith that they're going to be able to hold things down. I mean, it would be really cool if we could see them going into, like, the sixth or seventh inning. But, you know, the basketball season, the baseball season is so long that what they have to do is just not, you know, fall asleep at the wheel and continue to play this way all throughout the season, all until May. Because the kind of the trap of starting out really well is that you're like oh yeah we're doing fine and then you get complacent and then when it really matters you're like oh okay we're kind of stuck now so I feel like for this team to be successful they have to just stick to what they're doing and just continue in that path because it can be very easy to sort of lay off the gas a little bit when you're ahead but in a conference like the Pac-12 you know that's not a good idea, especially when conference play starts. They just have to, you know, go full speed ahead. I'm doing a lot of car references now, <laughs> but, like, they just have to go full speed ahead and not let off the gas. Uh, following this this upcoming weekend against Lafayette, they have UCSB, which got changed to being at home. They've had troubles with UC- UCSB recently. Last year they were swept by UCSB, and the year before they went 2-2 two and two against UCSB. But... What do you think they can do in this four-game series against Lafayette, who, I don't like to say this, but is a lesser team than Oregon uh, to prepare for 
the UCSB uh, Gauchos. Well, I think they had a, a it was originally to be a four game homestand and then an eight game road trip and yeah, that got, no, it's seven that, and five that got flipped and I think that's really good for them because the more games you can play in in, in Eugene, the better. They don't you don't have to get on a plane. They're gonna play likely play better there and and, and build some confidence at home and th- these next seven games are they're games they they should do they should do really well in. Uh, before the rest of, of that non-conference slate. And you look at their, their non-conference schedule as a whole, there's not – like there, there are a lot of really winnable games. They play Grand Canyon after UCSB. Like these are good non-conference games that they, they can win and set themselves up really well going into the Pac-12 turn – in Pac-12, Pac-12 play because I think for a lot of those players, they're thinking about how last season ended and they – want to to prove that they are a better team than that and that's going to start with they started this weekend with good performances down in texas and it's going to continue hopefully continue these next these two two sets and into pac-12 play well one thing that i i'm interested to see how the team reacts is just playing in eugene in february because of course you know the rain the cold all of that has a little bit of an impact not as much as it could to be honest but like definitely going from playing a lot of a lot of games, you know, away but in like better weather to playing at home but maybe not on the best conditions. It'll be interesting to see how this team will react. But I definitely think that they could either be a win out or at least three and one against Lafayette. And that could definitely set them up for, you know, UCSB. But, you know, like we say time and time again, everything could happen. The weather's been good in Eugene recently, um, so well, maybe you know, maybe that'll continue. It's just wishful. Let's knock on some wood. W- wishful I thinking hope, because I, I like like I the agree. spring here, but we'll see. Let's, we don't want to don't. Let's not say that they're going to be playing in bad weather just yet. Fair, fair. Yeah, uh, but it's nice to have the turf that Oregon does, though. Like it, I've walked on it before. It feels like a grass field with the different textures of the dirt in the outfield and the base paths and such, but it can irrigate the water a lot better than a grass field can. Oh, absolutely. They, they, and they play well at home and they like playing here and hopefully that continues. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that all Oregon, uh, you know, sports venues are really good. I definitely feel like, you know, PK park is a great place to play some ball. It's just, you know, we'll have to see how, how they play. I feel like, again, like if they just, can uh, play at home how they played in Texas and they just do what they do well, then I don't see why this team couldn't have a really good season. Yeah, I think this non-conference slate, uh, I mean, after going to Arizona where they play Grand Canyon and Arizona State, they're home in Oregon through the entire month of March. They don't go away technically till april 2nd which is just to portland and then april 5th down to la so they get like 10 12 straight games at home through most of the month of march schedule makers were nice to them this year yes i'll say except for the pac-12 slate when they got to play all those really tough teams on the road this year because they got them at home last year so like the ucla games the stanford's on the road i think yes stanford's on the road they have usc at home which is nice because they struggled with usc last year 
Oregon State in Corvell. Like, they actually have a series with Oregon State this year. Well, that's, that's a weird one. They play three in Corvallis and one in Eugene. Yeah, they usually play four games against Oregon State, but usually it's, like, sporadic it's a, yeah, through the season. I like I like that it's four in a row. Yeah. Except that there's three of them are <laughs> up in Corvallis, and that's a, that's a team they've just they've always struggled with. <laughs> I and mean, they're good. Well, they're, <laughs> they're sixth in the country yeah. right now. Are they the best team in the Pac-12 right now? Yeah. Yeah. Stanford's also ranked, I believe – I'm not sure if they. I'm are. not sure. Uh, UCLA's twentieth. Yeah, sorry. Uh, UCLA's ranked, not Stanford. I do not believe Stanford is, but Stanford's. There's. They're always, Stanford's a good, always a talented yeah. team, and I think. I mean, or Oregon has the the guns to compete with them, both on the offensive side and and pitching wise. That the they they're definitely capable of winning those games. Uh, the one thing that I really hope for is consistency throughout a series. I feel like. Last year we saw so many two and one series or one and two, but like they beat UCLA like sixteen to five or something crazy like that, and then lost. They scored like two runs the next two games. Well, they did have a quite a pitching staff last year. Yes, but no, I I, I like, agree. I think those. I think the difference between the Ducks team we saw on a Friday versus a Sunday often was was quite different, and I think. That that's definitely something that they, they didn't sweep a lot of teams last year, and that's a really a big confidence boost where you can sweep a team and 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 build that momentum, especially that, in conference. Absolutely, yeah, I I agree. I think that that's totally you know that's going to be a big factor because one thing that we have to remember is that all three of the games they've played so far were one offs. Like they played Oklahoma once, then Baylor once, then Texas Tech te- Texas Tech once. But now they're, all of their next games are long series. So I definitely feel like if they can sweep, if they can get that going early, that'll definitely put them on a good path for, you know, conference play. But, I, you know, at least consistent play, at least I think they should at least be 3-1 and one on both the series that are coming up. That's my prediction. What do you think about this upcoming? I, w- I think that would be very good for the overall count. in the seven games. What do you think they can go? Seven, five, and two. I think that should be the floor. Yeah, that if if they're really a team that can has, compete, uh, can p- compete, and they were a game away from the College <laughs> World Series last year, if they're a team that really thinks that they are capable of doing that again, they will. They will. They should. They should do that. And I think we'll just kind of wait and see if they they really can do that. I'm hoping for maximum one loss. I can understand two losses. As you said before, baseball, you can't win everything. Even the best teams have a couple of losses. It's not like Oklahoma softball that just goes undefeated every year. <laughs> but, like, so I'm that's, hoping for – That's what I like about Diamond Sports <laughs> is that when you lose a game, it's your season's not over. Where right. Yeah. Football, it's not that way. Yeah. Our, like, Arkansas baseball went 2-1 and one and moved up a spot. So I was who were they playing? Not like problem. I don't remember exactly who they were playing, but they went two and one. We uh so baseball's gonna be fun. Baseball's gonna be Just very fun. Having they, they played James Madison. Yeah. It wasn't a very good James Madison's okay. <laughs> okay. I th- they definitely are. Yeah, but I think baseball's gonna be fun this year. I like a lot of the additions that they had on this team. They have 12 tra- or twelve freshmen and nine transfers. It just adds to the rotation, adds to the depth of this team. I like Bryce Betcher so far has seemed really good. 
in center field and offensively getting on the base paths. Drew Smith is balling out. Drew Smith as well. Uh, Jeffrey Hurd has been doing really well. This team's going to be fun. Uh, you can catch them with our former sports director on the call this weekend against Lafayette. Uh, but that will do it for our Tuesday night show. I am not usually on here, so I had to think about the actual day. Uh, but you'll catch us here tomorrow with Saul Galvan as the host. He has Griffin Bowes and uh, Charlie Martindale along with him. But I'm your host, Ben Schoenfield, joined by Mario Ponce, Liam Baker, and Mario Nordy in production. Have a good rest of your night here on KDVA 88.1 FM. Quack Smack on KWVA. If you miss any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.